our world is in trouble. Society is full of noise, darkness, and distraction. Where do you go to find the hope and the strength to cope with such a mess? Join our weekly conversation and think about the Bible like you never have before. Listen, watch, and interact with us at ChristianQuestions.com. You're listening to Christian Questions. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Hypocrisy, and Edmund Burke once said, Hypocrisy can afford to be magnificent in its promises. For never intending to go beyond promise, it costs nothing. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary, as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. I'm Jonathan. This podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone. Folks, we want to thank you for joining us today. This is a contact-friendly format, and we welcome your thoughts via email, messaging us at ChristianQuestions.com, Facebook, and our website chat board. So, Jonathan, what's our subject for today? Well, Rick, our question is, what makes a Christian a hypocrite? And our theme text is found in Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 through 9. You hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Ooh, what makes a Christian a hypocrite? This one is not a comfortable subject. Nobody likes a hypocrite. Nobody likes it when you proclaim yourself to be a certain way or stand off for specific principles or speak up in support of a clear ideology and then display yourself to be a walking contradiction. Nobody likes lip service or feigned support, especially when there are circumstances that require firm conviction. For followers of Christ, the mere thought of being seen as a hypocrite is at very least cringeworthy. Yet, when we look at history as well as our present time, it is evident that Christian hypocrisy abounds. So how does this happen? What provokes anyone to consider and then act upon those things that result in being two-faced and therefore unreliable? Even more importantly, how can we as Christians avoid such a trap? Further, if we've already fallen into this hypocrisy trap, what does it take to get up, get out, and get going? So, Jonathan, this is a big one. What makes a Christian a hypocrite? And coming up in today's podcast, when you think of a hypocrite, does someone specific come to mind? Hold that thought. Well, actually, don't hold it. Get rid of it. Because one of the big problems with talking about hypocrisy is this feeling that you and I can be just as guilty as the next person. Jesus laid out seven big doorways through which hypocrisy can enter our lives. In our second and third segments, we're going to look at how seeing, uh, seeking to have influence and ambition can really go sour. Most of us would agree that politicians and people in power are obviously more susceptible to hypocrisy, but that's no excuse to not look in the mirror. In some ways, the hypocrisy that we, the average person, experiences is more insidious than that of those who are elevated. Segments 4 and 5 get into some pretty big internal issues that we need to fend off if we're to remain true and honest. But first, what is the biggest and broadest reason that people fall into the hypocrisy trap? Jonathan, we're going there right now. So, 
Let's figure it out. What is hypocrisy? Let's define it a couple of different ways. First of all, the New Testament word for hypocrisy is what? Well, Rick, it means an actor under an assumed character, stage player, uh, dissembler. Okay, so an actor, a stage player, and that's kind of interesting. That's the actual meaning of the word in Greek, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. Uh, from the Merriam-Webster online dictionary, there's, there's two definitions, Jonathan, and these are both really important. What are they? Well, the first, Rick, is a person who puts on a false appearance of virtue or religion, and the second, a person who acts in contradiction to his or her stated beliefs or feelings. Okay, those are two definitions of hypocrite, and they're two very different applications. The first definition, it's outward, has clear intention to deceive as you put on a false appearance. Again, that is to, you know, a person who puts on a false appearance of virtue or religion. So they put on the cloak of virtue or the cloak of religion or the cloak of goodness or, or charity or something, and they're really not that way at all. Okay, so that's big, that's outward, and those are the kind of things, Jonathan, that, uh, you know, you see that in, in society, right? Sure, sure. And it's pretty aggravating, isn't it? It is. Well, Rick, it sounds like we are all hypocrites uh, because we all fall down from God's standard. So are we? Well, you know, that, that's, that's, an, that's an important question. You know, the second definition is inward, because remember, j just reread the second definition from the, the dictionary. A person who acts in contradiction to his or her stated beliefs or feelings. Okay. It, this definition is inward and provokes action that could be motivated by things like fear or ignorance and maybe even self-protection. So you say that, yeah, we all are hypocrites because, you know, let me ask you, Jonathan, let's, let me ask you a serious personal question. Are you ready? Okay. Were you a perfect Christian today? <laughs> Not any day of the week. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> asking I about one. <laughs> short. <laughs> I I would love to be, but I'm not. No, okay. I, I make mistakes. Okay, but now, but let's let's go further with it. But being, you know, what the ideals and standards are of what you would consider to be that perfect Christian, right? Sure, Jesus. <laughs> right, but and that, those are the ideals that you proclaim for yourself, correct? Correct. But like you said, you don't always live up to them. Exactly. So is that being a hypocrite? Because the definition is, you know, uh, acting in contradiction to his or her stated beliefs or feelings. And I think we need to be careful here because, yes, we all can be hypocritical. But I would submit to you that just because we act in a hypocritical way, it doesn't mean we're hypocrites. It's so like, okay, how, how are you going to weasel out of that one? Well, well, I, I feel better because I, I don't <laughs> okay. want that title. Well, no, and, and you're right. You're right, especially when we go through this podcast. Nobody wants that particular title. But let's think about this for a second. Because when we're looking at our lives and we have our stated ideals and objectives and we fall short and you know, we, like you said, you know, you fail every day. And then you yeah. get up and you dust yourself off and you ask for forgiveness and you try again. That's not being a hypocrite. That's being weak. That's having a weakness. That's, that's making a bad choice and trying again. Even though the definition... It reminds me of growing up. And that's exactly the point. Instead of saying, yeah, we're all hypocrites all the time, and we're going to hear some sound bites that sort of indicate that later on, I think, Jonathan, we need to look at this and say, look... We need to understand that when we are continually trying and aware of the ideals and, and striving for them but falling short miserably, 
that's not hypocritical. That's like you said, that's growing up. That's trying to get to the next step and falling down several times along the way. So that's an important distinction. So how do we deal with this hypocrite thing from a Christian perspective? Jesus gave us a lot to work on here. There are seven woes that Jesus pronounced upon the Pharisees, and they are a good basis to begin our understanding of what hypocrisy is, how it works, and how to be rid of it. Now, Jonathan, these woes were in Matthew chapter 23, and this was just before his great prophecy of his return, and this is like the week before he is crucified. So this is his last real face-to-face statement to the Pharisees. So we're talking about seven woes. So what's a woe? What, what, what's all of this about? Well, Rick, I think when Jesus said, woe to you, he was driven by his love for the truth, for his heavenly father, and for the people who were being deceived by error. So he, he had a, a, a wonderful uh, uh, conscience or heart when he was saying these because he was trying to protect those he loved. And, you know, and I, and I think you're right. And further, he was trying to wake up those who were being hypocrites. So he has no more time left with them. He has tried, he's tried reasoning with them. He's tried contradicting their, their, their terms. He's tried defying them. He's tried guiding them. He's tried showing miracles to them. He has tried all of these things. And now he's saying, you guys, this is your last shot. And so this is, this, these woes, as harsh as they are, are actually statements of love by Jesus. I think you really did nail it down very well. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 23, and it's going to be through verses 13 through 33. We're going to work these throughout the entire podcast. There's seven woes. We have five segments. Do the math means we better get moving. (laughs) Okay, so let's go to Matthew 23, uh, verse 13 to get started. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people, for you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. So he says, woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. And he's very plain. That's a harsh statement. And he's saying, you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. So, so and he gives this description, and what he's describing are what we're going to call doors to hypocrisy. So, Jonathan, what's the first door to hypocrisy here? Well, the door of hypocrisy opened because of a desire for power. Okay, a desire for power. Their seizing of power through hypocrisy, Jesus says they were hypocrites, gave them authority to wield that was not rightfully theirs. They they substituted darkness for light and tried to close the way of salvation, and that's pretty pretty dramatic. And they were going to continue to try because Jesus was the way to salvation, and they sent him to crucifixion. Sometimes... These, this seeking of power is focused on others, that's outward, and sometimes this seeking of power is in our internal lives, that's inward. So we're going to look at, throughout the podcast, these seven woes, the first of which is a desire for power, and look at it, Jonathan, we can look at the, uh, the, 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 the Pharisees and we can point our fingers at them all we want and say how bad they were. Is that going to really help us? No. So What about, what about us? Are we... Have we fallen into that trap ourselves? So we can look at them and their example and say, wow, that's a bad example. But let's do that. And then let's change the focus to putting the mirror in front of our faces and say, what about me? So 
What's the next step? Healing for my own outward hypocrisy. Okay, we have outward hypocrisy according to the first definition, remember we talked about, and then we're going to have inward hypocrisy. So when it comes to power, in terms of my own outward hypocrisy, Jonathan, there's two words we're going to repeat every single time. What are they? Um, they are, I must. Right. I <laughs> must. Pretty simple, okay? When it comes to power, I must be willing to humbly assess my own fruitage. Is it in line with God's holy order? Do I accept the fact that power easily corrupts? So for my own outward hypocrisy, we look at the scribes and the Pharisees and they're hypocrites and they're shutting off the kingdom of heaven and, um, and they're not even entering it themselves and they don't allow others to enter it. So they've really messed up the pathway to righteousness. But what about me in my desire for power? When I fall into that desire for outward power, here's what I have to do. I have to humbly assess my own fruitage. What's making me desire that power? Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 18 is a really good example of how to sort of reset our thinking here. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Okay, so with my own outward hypocrisy, when it comes to power, I got to look at myself and I got to ask myself, really, am I being a good tree or am I being a bad tree in this particular part of my life or this part of my experience? And, you know, maybe it's within the church environment. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's within the work environment or within the family environment. Am I power hungry? And to figure that out, we have to be willing to stop, back up, and look at the fruits that we have produced and ask ourselves, okay, are these fruits worth bearing or are they fruits of darkness that are full of greed? Because that's where the Pharisees were with this, this desire for power. And, you know, one of the things about power <clears throat> is that, you know, we all know that power can't easily corrupt, but power is probably the most coveted thing in all of humanity power satan coveted power i want to be like the most high that's about as powerful as you can get the idea of the the sin in the garden you shall not surely die you'll have the power to live See, power runs through everything, and we have to be really careful with the outward part of our lives in terms of how it fits with our hypocrisies. Now, what about our inward hypocrisy? What, what's the healing for our inward hypocrisy, Jonathan? What is the I must? I must see the issues I have with how I view my personal power struggles within myself. Okay. We all struggle with power inside of ourselves. Let's face the fact and it can lead to hypocrisy into doing things that we know are not the standards, but we're doing them so we can appear to ourselves and attempting to appear to God to be better, to be more powerful. So what, what do we need to do with those struggles? We need to give the power uh, over to God. Yep. Give the power, the God of power. Give them over to God. 
the God of power. That's what's necessary. First Corinthians chapter two, verses four and five. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. See, that's the key. The Apostle Paul, in, in, in demonstrating his apostleship, didn't go before those, those, those followers and pound his chest and say, I was called of Jesus by name, you weren't. He didn't say that. He said that his message in preaching was not about wisdom, human, earthly wisdom, but it was demonstrated in the spirit and the power because faith in God is where our um, our, our, our faith needs to come from, not faith in man, not faith in me, not faith in you, not faith in anybody else. Not the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So our outward hypocrisy, we must be willing to humbly assess our fruitage and the inward hypocrisy, we got to see the issues of how I view my personal power struggles within my life. Folks, this talk, this discussion about hypocrisy really is all about me. Power is so attractive and so dangerous. And to think there are six more hypocrisy traps on top of it. Hypocrisy related to assuming power is broad and common in our day. Does it lead to anything else? We're podcasting live every Monday night from 8 to 9.30. You can talk to us direct through our chat at ChristianQuestions.com. We also welcome your comments or questions any day of the week. Just hit the Contact Us button. We're now out of the starting gate. Let's pick up the pace for tonight's topic. Embedded in Jesus speaking firmly to the Pharisees is a specific process. Power is a broad-based common destination that draws out displays of hypocrisy, and it does lead to other more specific desires. Jesus is telling us that when there is a struggle for power, there is a struggle for our lives. And so, Jonathan, as we go through these particular struggles um, that the Pharisees had, we've got to look at ourselves and say, yeah, this is, these are struggles for our lives as well. Just because we're not in the same position as they are, they were, doesn't mean that we don't have the same potential for downfall as they did. So we've got to be really, really careful. Let's go to a quick soundbite from uh, Greg Laurie, What is a Hypocrite? This is Pastor Greg Laurie. He gives, a, he gives the Greek definition. We touched on it, but he expands it a little bit more. It's kind of, just kind of interesting. Let's understand what the word means. When it was used in its original context, it meant an actor. It was the word used to describe an actor. In fact, in Greek culture, it had no negative connotation whatsoever. You would just say, well, he's a hypocrite. Or another way to say, an actor. He is a guy or a girl that has lines that he memorizes and repeats and he pretends to be someone he is not. We watch them down in the town square and they hold the little masks in front of their faces and they take on a part. And we have actors today and many times we admire them. We think they have a lot to tell us until we see them interviewed on Jay Leno or Letterman and we say, wow, they are not at all like the person they portrayed on the screen. Of course, now, uh, that was 2010, so Jay Leno and Letterman, not so much, but you get the point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, and, and that's interesting, because the Greek word literally wasn't negative. Oh, that person's a hypocrite. 
That means he's an actor. And it was actually could have been a compliment because, wow, watch that hypocrite perform. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, we, we don't get that. But Jesus used that word in a very, very distinct way. And he's saying when it comes to godliness, you guys are just actors. You are playing a part that is not you. Do we want to ever get into that kind of a position in any part of our lives? I should hope not. But okay. uh, unfortunately, we may be and not knowing it. Yeah, you know, and, and if we do end up in a position like that, do the things necessary to get out of it. Exactly. So, yes, we can be hypocritical, we can become hypocrites, but let's make sure that we are focusing on rising above such things. So, like we said, we have seven woes to go through. We're just to woe number two, and this is uh, Matthew chapter 23. Uh, we're on to verse 15. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell or Gehenna as yourselves. So here Jesus says to them, you're hypocrites. You're acting. You go to find proselytes, those individuals to follow after your ways. And when he becomes one, when this person that you find becomes like you, you've made him twice as much a son of Gehenna, a son of, of final judgment as yourselves. So, Jonathan, that's, a, that's not a, a good thing. No, twice as much. That's that's bad. <laughs> well, and you think about it, why would it be twice as much? And I think the reason is that that proselyte already had their own old ways that they needed to going to need to undo in the day of judgment. Okay. And now what the Pharisees did is they taught them a whole bunch of new ways that were wrong. So now not only do you have what you already owned, but now you take on all this false and negative and, and, and ungodly teaching, you are twice as likely to have difficulty because now you have twice as much to undo. I think that's what he means by twice as much sons of Gehenna or final judgment. That's sad because that's so much more work to yeah. get, get over uh, before you can uh, start following um, God's precepts. Yeah, so what about this next door? Well, the door to hypocrisy opened because of a desire for powerful personal influence over others. See, it was the desire of, initially it was power, just plain old power. Now it's the power for personal influence, for influence over others. They, the, the, the Pharisees, were hypocritical in applying their zeal, and actually they led others further from God as a result. In leading people to their own version of light... Think about that phrase. They led people to their own version of light. They actually put their followers in a worsened condition. So when we look at the Christianity that we believe in and that we may teach and that we may witness to, make sure it's not somebody's version of light and not the true version of light that comes solely from Scripture. What about our own healing for our own outward hypocrisy, Jonathan? What do we have to do? Well, when it comes to having powerful influence over others, I must be abundantly clear as to what I say, how I say it, and why I say it, and be a selfless follower. Okay, I must, if I am looking to have influence over others. And, you know, let me just pause here, because you know what? Having influence on others is a good thing. It, it is. It can be a wonderful thing, as long as the influence is that that comes from godliness. 
So the desire for, for influence can be a great thing, but we've got to check what makes us have that desire for influence over others. And to do that, we need to be clear about what we say, about how we say it, and why we say it. I mean, it's really easy if you're in a position of influencing to get into the mode of, well, you know, let me tell them a thing or two. Let me do this. Let me do that. I'll show them. And, you know, in the world, maybe that works. But for a Christian, that is, that's my own version of light. You know, time to put the mirror up in front of my face and say, what are you doing? Okay, that's where we have to go with this. And, and you, you ended it really well. What did you say at the very end of that? Be a selfless follower. See, selflessness takes away any desire for hypocrisy. Because now, now look, who wants hypocrisy? It's, and I shouldn't have said any desire for hypocrisy, but any desire for what hypocrisy can potentially bring us. Because hypocrisy can bring us things that are big and glorious and wonderful to look at and impressive, but it's, a big, it's an awfully big price to pay. So be a selfless follower. Let's go to Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, and then 7 through 11. Then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Okay, so Jesus, they, the disciples, uh, the Pharisees rather, they come to Jesus and they're asking another question to upset the apple cart, to try to trap Jesus. And we, we had to skip several verses in between because we just don't have time for them. But what's the bottom line? He gets down to verse 7 and he tells them a thing or two about their question because they're not asking the question out of the goodness of their hearts. They're asking it so they can trap him. You hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. And Rick, that reminded me of a scripture in Matthew seven twenty-one to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name or cast out demons or perform miracles? And I will declare, I never knew you. So that phrase, I never knew you, in that particular um, scripture that you just read, rings true in this Isaiah prophecy that says this people. Now th listen to this. Listen to the sadness in these words. This people honors me with their lips but their heart is far away from me. That's hypocrisy. That's exactly what it is. Their heart has other desires and other things it's all about, but you do the things that you need to say so you can be looked in a, at in a certain way, so you can get the position that you want, so you can get what you want. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Got to ask our, I mean, bad enough for the, for, for the, for the Pharisees, right? Yeah. Yeah, what about you? What about mm. me? What about me? What about me? What about healing from my own hypocrisy when it comes to this this desire for powerful personal influence over others? What about it, Jonathan? I must weigh what I am listening to, where it comes from, and how it truly affects me. Okay, if for when I want to have powerful influence within my personal life, um you know, I have to weigh what the input is. Because, you know, it used to be, I don't know if they still say it, but, you know, it used to be with computers, they would say garbage in, garbage out. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the computer works only as well as it's programmed, only as well as the input it w- can, can it produce its results. And so we've got to be about the input and the output. So we were in Matthew chapter 15. Uh, we did verses 1 through 5. We did 7 through 9. Let's do verse 10. After Jesus called the crowd to him, he said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth that defiles the man. So here's the thing, Jonathan. If we want to have powerful influence internally on the inside of our lives, we have to be standing for something that is bigger than ourselves. That's right. And we have to go to the resource, God's Word, to learn those precepts so we can copy them. Because if we don't go to the right source, it ends up being garbage in. And when garbage is in, goes in, you're not going to get anything better than, than, than garbage out. You don't put garbage in and get pearls out. It just doesn't work that way in terms of the gospel. So our own inward hypocrisy when it comes to personal influence in our lives, you know, you know we want to be uh, influencing in the right way before God personally where nobody else can see. So what are you feeding yourself? What is your personal influence on yourself really doing so that you can be standing for the right things? So that, that's the second woe, the, the desire for powerful personal influence. We looked at it outwardly with the Pharisees, first of all. We looked at it outwardly, then we looked at it inwardly. The third woe Jesus introduces, he introduces some new ways to describe the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. It's not enough that he's calling them hypocrites. He's going to expand his, his descriptions here. So we're in the third woe, uh, um, Matthew chapter 23, verses 16 and 17. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, Whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated. You fools and blind men, which is more important, the gold of the temple that sanctified the gold? So Jesus is saying, you're, you're talking about the gold of the temple, you know, swearing by the gold of the temple instead of the temple. And, and here's what had happened. They had lost their reverence for God's house. They'd lost their reverence for the house of God. You remember when Jesus cleared the temple? Oh, yes. You know, this is my father's house, and you've made it a den of thieves. Don't do that to this house. They lost reverence for the house. That was proof of it. So, So they tried to make up these higher rules for their reverence. And that, Rick, reminds me of the wealth-driven Christianity of today that is focusing in the wrong area. And, um, you know, this verse is talking about the temple. Well, in 1 Corinthians 3.16, the Apostle Paul tells us this. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells within you? So, Rick, the focus is the inward fruits of the Spirit of the congregations of these churches to help them be Christ-like, not monies, not distractions. And, and, and you know that, that that's fitting. Now, with the with the Pharisees, they're saying, "Well, you shouldn't swear by the temple. You should swear by the gold of the temple because there's where the value is." And they lost reverence for the most important thing. And, and Jesus says, "Look, you're fools. You're blind in that." Uh, verses eighteen and nineteen. This particular woe, Jonathan, is like uh, uh, seven or eight verses, so it's got a lot of compartments to it. Go ahead, verses eighteen and nineteen. And whoever swears by the altar, that is nothing. But whoever swears by the offering on it, he is obligated. 
You blind men, which is more important, the offering or the altar that sanctifies the offering? Okay, so which is more important? You know, and, and again, what they're saying is um, these, uh, the, the, they're proclaiming, well, you don't swear by the altar, you swear by the sacrifice that's, uh, that's on it. And Jesus is saying, stop already. Stop changing that which is real and making up these new things to make people think, oh, oh, look at how much holier they are than me. See, they tried to implement details that no one else knew to show themselves to be better than everyone. You know, and, and that's where this third woe is. You know, it, it's getting us the sense, and we're, we're getting to it, but it ends up being all about ambition. Uh, Jonathan, before we continue, uh, I think Trish has got a question or two. Hi. Hi. Okay. Uh, I'm a little confused. Oh, boy. <laughs> I just want to clarify this per- powerful personal influence. Yes. I mean, I was just wondering, I thought with Paul, Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Uh, you know, powerful personal influence. Why would we want that in any sh- way, shape, or form unless it's the power and influence of God in our lives that he displays through us? That's the first question. And can you be a hypocrite if you don't know it? I mean, isn't hypocrisy something that you do intentionally? All right, all right, good. Those are both good questions. The first question, and you know, we're going to take the we're going to take the second question in, in, the, in the next segment. But the first question about the Apostle Paul and why would you want personal influence if it's not godly? Because maybe you don't know how to get it in a godly way, and you just want it because it, it it's an ego feeder to have influence. And so we become hypocritical so we can have influence. And so, yes, we can want it for all the wrong reasons, but it doesn't bring anybody anything good. Okay? Obviously, Trish is going like, why would you want that? And, you know, that's, that's coming from somebody who's got godliness in their heart and mind. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Well, good. Don't. Don't. I don't want you to. <laughs> it's not good to go there. <laughs> All right. Let's go down because we're, we're a little, we're, we're, we're crunching down here at the end of the segment. Verses 20 through 22 of Matthew 23 on this third woe. Therefore, whoever swears by the altar swears both by the altar and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears both by the temple and by him who dwells within it. And whoever swears by heaven swears both by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. So Jesus said, stop already. Reverence the big things and all the other details fall into place. So what about this particular door to hypocrisy? We mentioned it briefly, but let's expand it. Sure. The door to hypocrisy opened because of a desire to show themselves as the most ambitious followers of the law. See, they made up extra stuff so others would always be one step behind. So they're always looking up to them saying, whoa, look how holy they are. And those Pharisees were essentially, according to Jesus, looking down saying, yes, you should notice how holy we are. That was hypocritical. What they were doing they're making it up uh, on purpose. Jesus said they were acting. So he's saying, and he could read the heart, he's telling us they knew what they were doing. So wh- what do we do about this, Jonathan? Well, you know, Jesus wrapping this up. Well, just give us Jesus' wrap-up on this. Uh, Jesus called them blind guides, fools, and blind men. These designations were attained as a result of their own reckless and blind ambition, thinking, interpretations, and teaching. This led them to blindly and ambitiously and foolishly teaching things 
of fabricated importance. They taught things of fabricated importance. That's this third woe. This woe of ambition made them teach things that were made up. That's not where we need to be. Personal influence and ambition can also can be so productive, and it can be also our downfall. It really makes you think. We're all supposed to have ambition to follow Christ. How do we keep it from becoming hypocritical? Rick and Jonathan have been friends for decades and co-workers on this weekly podcast for just about that same length of time. Since they know each other so well, sometimes Jonathan has to rein Rick in because, let's face it, Rick can start an in-depth analysis at a moment's notice with all those facts stored in his head. So thank you, Jonathan, for keeping Rick in check when you add your comments to help us understand on a non-professor level. And don't shy away to ask Rick and Jonathan a question. They love answering all of them at ChristianQuestions.com and all our social media channels. What's next, gentlemen? All of our Christian energies are to be focused on following Jesus, but all of our fleshly desires and energies will constantly challenge that. This is the inherent dilemma that brings the inward hypocrisy to the surface. The good news, God knows this, and we can be daily set right by His grace. So, yeah, Jonathan, thanks for continually reining me in. Like, slow down, Rick. (laughs) Relax, will you? People need to understand what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and Trisha helps out that way, too. <laughs> but anyway, all right, so you know, let, let's get back to that third wall, because we just kind of put it on the table, and we really, really just very quickly uh, sort of labeled it. So let's just relabel it. What's this door to hypocrisy thing with this third wall? Well, the door to hypocrisy opened because of a desire to show themselves as the most ambitious followers of the law. Okay. The most ambitious followers. They were saying, look, people, look at me. Look at my ambition. Look at how I understand with the temple what to swear by and what not to swear by because I know you don't. You don't have what I have. And it made the other people around them feel inferior. And they were really good at that. And by being that way, when they entered, because the people were kept down, they looked so lofty and so good and so holy that they had this position of being able to do anything that they really kind of wanted to. And that, Jonathan, was not a good situation. No. So when it comes to ambition in my own life, what is the healing from my own outward hypocrisy here? I must remember the horrible consequences of self-guided teaching. You know, self-guided teaching doesn't necessarily mean I make it up. Maybe you make it up, But I kind of like it, so I'm going to use it in my own ambition. And if it's not godly, you were wrong originally. I'm even more wrong for taking what you started and and trying to use it in in front of others. So we got to be careful about this stuff. We have to be careful. And remember, folks, remember, 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 just because we fall down, just because we don't live up to the standards that we set for ourselves does not mean we're hypocritical. It simply means that we're growing. And as long as we fall down and get up and ask for forgiveness and move on, that's not hypocrisy. God looks at that and smiles and says, keep on trying. Keep on trying. So, Jonathan, see, you can take great, great uh, um, uh, contentment out of that. God looks at us and says, keep trying. Amen. And for Trisha's question, her second question, um, maybe you should elaborate now. Now, what was the second question? If you... 
um, don't know. Oh, oh can, can you be a hypocrite if you don't know if it? If you don't know it, yeah. You know, and, and actually that, that's, that's, a, that's, a, um, that's a good question. And I think the answer is yes. Because you may not see yourself as being a hypocrite, but you are, you are fulfilling it by saying, okay, here's what I want. I have this ambition. So look, hypocr- hypocrisy in ambition, you know, on an outward way. I want to go get a job. So, and I know that I can do this job better than anybody. So I'm going to take my resume and I'm going to add this, this, and this, and this, and this to my resume because I think that I just need to be getting this job and I'm better at you than you. So, you know, out of my way, my resume is better. And so I add and, and glorify things because to me, that's part of my ambition. That's hypocrisy. That's playing a part that you really aren't. That's putting on an act. It is. Absolutely is. And oftentimes it catches up with people like that. Not Okay. So... Remember the horrible consequences of self-guided teaching when we have to deal with our own ambition, looking to ambition in, in creeping into our lives. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned, and in the, their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. You know, that's a, that's a scathing um, condemnation of false prophets and teachers amongst Christianity. And, you know, we were saying, remember the horrible consequences of self-guided teaching. In verse 2, it laid it out. Many will follow their sensuality. Our self-guided teaching inevitably comes back to what I desire, not what is desirable for me to be godly. Big difference between the two. So, Jonathan, in our outward hypocrisy when it comes to ambition, sometimes our ambition gets blind. And when we have blind ambition, we have to be careful because we can easily fall into that hypocrisy. And when we're dealing with the brotherhood, our ambition to maybe want to be helpful or to be to be recognized or whatever it is can also lead us to play roles that really are not our, ours and be hypocritical. We have to be careful of that. So what about our own inward hypocrisy when it comes to ambition? Well, I must get back to the basics of my personal salvation. Okay. I, it's, all, it's all because of Jesus, Rick. You know what? I think that that's, there are a couple of really simple answers in this whole podcast. That's one of them, okay? One of the ways to avoid hypocrisy is to remember that little statement, it's all because of Jesus. But it's, I must get back to the basics of my personal salvation. So in my, when I see ambition creeping into my personal inward life, you know, and, and Jonathan, look, we all play mental games with ourselves. We all tell ourselves stories that are not true. We all spin webs of reasoning. We all have experiences that we replay in our minds about 75,000 times and create and add to them and make them bigger and bigger and bigger and more dramatic. We all do that to ourselves. And sometimes our ambition follows that same pattern. We have to be careful to not be hypocritical in relation to ambition the way the prophecy, the, the prophecies were, the, the Pharisees were, because they made things up. And that's what we have to avoid. Matthew 21, verse 32. 
For John came to you in a way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him. And you, seeing this, did not even feel remorse afterwards so as to believe him. So, you know, Jesus does an interesting thing. He's talking to the Pharisees, and he says, and he's not talking about himself. He's referring to John the Baptist. Because they did go to John and basically say, well, what about us? You know, and so they were playing a part of the whole big thing when John comes on the scene. And Jesus' response to them is, look, the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed what John was saying, and they repented. And you, seeing that, would not even repent yourselves. You have this blind ambition that you blinded yourself to the fact that you were sinful. Our internal blind ambition, Jonathan, can do the same thing to us. We have to be careful of that because that, my friends, is where hypocrisy inside can take root. And, you know, the difficulty about the internal hypocrisy is that sometimes nobody else ever sees it. Right. But the Lord does. And of anybody to see anything in our lives, that's the most important thing. You know, you've heard Amen. the phrase, the buck stops here. Well, <laughs> the buck stops there in a very, very big, big way. Uh, let's go to a, an, another soundbite. Uh, and this is a, a little bit of a different perspective. Uh, we touched on it a little earlier. It's called Everybody is a Hypocrite by Aisha and Matthew. The audio is a little bit difficult, but she made an interesting point. So we want to we listen to what she's got to say. What is hypocrisy? Lonnie Lee, one of the few people who strongly believed that everybody is a hypocrite, defined hypocrisy through a formula. Hypocrisy is equal to belief minus action. The degree of hypocrisy is equivalent to the value of the difference between your belief and actions. You can say that if you want to sound smart, but in simple words, Hypocrisy um, means if your beliefs are not congruent to your actions, you're a hypocrite. Okay, so you know you can say that, and, and that could be really depressing. Man, because we talked about this earlier, Jonathan, and you know, you're saying... But you know, we try, we try. <laughs> yes, and, and, and so we have to be careful to not be overly hard on ourselves when it comes to this, because, look, often... Our actions don't live up to our beliefs often. But if you're trying really hard to change that, I wouldn't call that being a hypocrite. I call that learning through the, the, the difficulties of, 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 of failure, of, of getting up and falling down and getting up and falling down and, and, and learning how to put things in order. So let's be careful by just saying, yes, everybody's a hypocrite. Because, you know, the other danger of that is when you say everybody's a hypocrite and okay, so what's the, what's the use? What's the sense? Well, so we got to be careful. We, yeah, don't give up. Right, exactly, don't give up. So that third woe had to do with ambition. Let's go on to the fourth woe in Matthew chapter 23. This is, now this one's a lot shorter in terms of its description. Matthew chapter 23, verses 23 and 24. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law justice and mercy and faithfulness but these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others you blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel you blind guides 
that is a that I mean, when you talk about someone in a position of authority, and you call them a blind guide, that is a really, really powerful thing to to get somebody's attention. You know, you got to be really careful when you're dealing with a blind guide. So, what what's the door of hypocrisy here? Well, the door to hypocrisy opened because of a desire to show themselves as the most detailed and acceptable followers of the law. Okay, so here they're 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 with their tithing. Now, remember, this isn't Christianity we're talking about. This is Judaism, and they're tithing and they're taking their their spices and they're meticulously counting out a tenth part of all of their spices. See, I'm acceptable. See me? See this? I'm acceptable. Not only am I acceptable, Jonathan, I am way more acceptable than everybody else. Look at how much attention I pay to the tiniest of details because I will serve God so precisely. That was the hypocrisy Jesus was pointing to. And he said, you are straining out gnats and swallowing camels. And in that part of the world, that's a pretty big comparison. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) So this became all show and no heart. Their blindness was enhanced by the pride of their position founded in their power, which was the first woe, in their influence, which was the second woe, and in their ambition, which was the third woe. They now blindly adhered to and taught the tiniest details of the law while omitting its most vital precepts, and they got stuck in this, this, the, the, the details and acceptability of being the best. Rick, I was thinking of the word omitting uh, vital precepts. Uh, I was talking to a fellow Christian um, a while back, and I said, thank God for the kingdom. And they looked at me and said, what kingdom? <laughs> I'm like, well, what are you learning? Did, haven't you read the Bible? How many times did Jesus talk about the kingdom in his ministry? Yeah, and he said, that's how he teaches us to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But, you know, so, and, and so what you're saying is sometimes the weightier aspects of the gospel end up being omitted. Ignored, yes. So, so we have to not get into that situation. So we look at the Pharisees and say, wow, what a bad example they are. What about me? What about healing for my own outward hypocrisy? When it comes to my desire to show myself acceptable to God before others, I must remain centered on honoring and obeying God and Jesus only. Okay, so when it comes to showing detailed acceptability, to, especially to others, it's about, like you said before, it's all about Jesus. Remain centered on honoring and obeying God and Jesus only. It really is. It really is that simple for this part of hypocrisy, this acceptability. You know, and the interesting thing, you know, Trish flashed me a note as she was walking by here about, you know, our, our hypocrisy that sometimes we, we fall into. That's why we have Jesus. He covers us in that. So we're trying and we act hypocritically, but we get up and we ask for forgiveness. He covers us. And it's okay because this is a process. And that's just such a great, great thing for us. So for our own outward hypocrisy, let's go to uh, Matthew 6, 1 to 4. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. 
Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. I love that, Jonathan. That is such a wonderful example um, and, you know, remaining centered on honoring God in terms of our acceptability. And I've had the privilege, and I've, and I've said this before on the podcast, but had the privilege of being a go-between for someone who saw someone else in great need. And they would, would hand me a bundle of money or whatever it was that person needed and said, I'd like you to give this to them. Just tell them it's, it's, it's a gift from, from brethren who love them very much. And I got to be the one to give it to them and say, somebody loves you. And watch their face. Oh, awesome. You know, and that's the acceptability. It's following this scripture very precisely, outwardly. We don't need honor now. We don't need acceptability before men. We need acceptability before God. Now, for our own inward hypocrisy, when it comes to my desire to show myself personally acceptable with God, what has to happen? Well, I must question my actions to be sure that they are in line with sound scriptural principles. Okay. The desires to personally be acceptable before God. We have to be really careful about what's driving us, what are our actions, and are they in line with scriptural principles? Back to Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. But you, when you go, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father in secret. So the whole idea is to keep quiet about it so others don't have to see. Our acceptability before God is in that quiet fellowship. It's not putting on a show for somebody else. It's not putting on a show for ourselves. It's simply being internally humble. So, folks, look, the further we get into this, the more we realize that hypocrisy is not about the other guy It's about me. Power, influence, ambition, and acceptability. Hypocrisy can rise up so many ways. What's next? We have a simple yet powerful request for you. Can you think of someone who'd enjoy listening to this podcast? Send them a text message right now. Tell them to check out our Christian Questions podcast. That's one of the great ways to spread the word. Thank you for sharing our weekly conversation with every single person you know. Well, who you want to tell is still up to you. Thanks for texting and listening. Let's go back to Rick and Jonathan as we take a closer look at our topic. Our next focus is actually a logical next step. The desire for unfettered power opens the door to persuasive influence, which confirms our high ambitions, which obviously makes us acceptable before our all. This sets the stage for showing off our grand appearance before any who will observe. And, and Jonathan, you know, one of the things I appreciate about this this process that Jesus is showing us with the Pharisees is it is it's a building process. It starts with the big grand idea of power and it goes through all of the other public things that we could fall into just like the Pharisees did and bring us away from God instead of closer to him. 
So we really want to be careful to follow up on what Jesus is saying, and the order really makes a lot of impact. Before we get into the next woe, which is the fifth one, let's go to back to uh, Pastor Greg Laurie about what is a hypocrite, and he's going to be talking about what hypocrisy is not. And we've, we've touched on this already, but it needs definitely needs to be reinforced. Notice that Jesus refers to the Pharisees as hypocrites in verse 5. You know, we throw this word around a lot. Hypocrite. You know, as soon as someone stumbles or makes a mistake, you're a hypocrite, we'll say. Well, look, we have to understand what the word actually means. To be a hypocrite doesn't mean that you make mistakes and you don't always live up to what you believe. That's not hypocrisy. That's called humanity. And every one of us is going to fall short. And every one of us have had moments of hypocrisy, myself included. Every one of us have said things we wish we had not said. We've done things we wish we had not done. We've had to apologize. We've had to right wrongs. We're just struggling Christians trying to live this out. That's not hypocrisy. That's the Christian lie. You know, and, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that because it just says it a little bit differently than we've been saying it's okay to have the high standard and fall short. As long as we decide it's not acceptable for me to stay far away from that high standard. But I need to strive more and harder and get up again. And you know, sometimes, Jonathan, we, we do it. We get up, you know, 17 or 18 times, and we still don't feel like we're making progress. That's so true. But you're still getting up. Yes. And that in itself is progress. And that is not hypocrisy. That is effort. And God blesses such effort. So let's have some more fun. Let's get on to the fifth woe, shall we? And again, these woes, just Jonathan, just a quick reminder. What, the woes were, what were they driven by again? You, you, had, you had mentioned that earlier. Well, they were driven by Jesus' love for the truth, for his heavenly Father, and for the people who were being deceived by error. So he had love for them, and he loved the, the Pharisees as well, and this was their last chance, and he was being plain and straightforward with them. So the fifth woe is in Matthew 23, verses 25 and 26. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish, so that the outside of it may become clean also. So, I mean, you think about the, the graphic language that Jesus is using. You know, inside of this cup that you make the outside look so shiny and brand new is full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, stop it. Just stop what you're doing because it's acting and that is not godly. So what about this door to hypocrisy? Well, the door to hypocrisy opened because of a desire to have a grand appearance before all. Okay, cleaning the outside of that cup, make that baby shine. So when people see it, they practically have to cover their eyes. It's so nice and shiny. Uh, you know, so, so their hypocrisy was in their meticulous efforts for appearance. Now, folks, pay attention to this when we go to look in the mirror. It was in their meticulous efforts for appearance so they could look cleansed and righteous. In fact, those actions were in place to irreverently take 
the robbery that Jesus spoke about, and gluttonously use the self-indulgence Jesus spoke about, that which did not belong to them. They ignored the very reasons the law required the rituals. So they were all about fulfilling the rituals, Jonathan, and they ignored the reasons for the rituals. Oh, how sad. It is sad, but the question we have to ask ourselves is, do I do the same? What about me? When it comes to the truth of the gospel, do I do the rituals but ignore the core of the matter? What about my own desire to have a grand appearance before all, healing my own outward hypocrisy? What about that? Well, when it comes to my desire for grand appearance, I must seek that which is honored by God through Jesus and not others. Okay, seek that which is honored by God through Jesus. And it's because God makes us grand. See, that's another simple little point. God is the one that makes us grand. We can't make ourselves grand before others by putting on the show. That's what the Pharisees were doing. We could easily fall into that because we want to look good. But the point that Jesus is saying is you must be good. Be godly good. Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. But when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. The rest of the Jews joined him in the hypocrisy, and with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in the presence of all, if you, being a Jew, live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? Now, it's interesting here because, you know, we think of the apostles and we look to them as great examples. And this is an example, we've talked about this a lot, it seems, recently, this particular example. We have, we have Rick. It keeps coming up. But what, what actually, in, in the preparation stage, what drew me to this was it tells them that they were hypocritical. It says in verse 13, the rest of the Jews joined him, joined Peter, in hypocrisy, in acting, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. Now, notice it doesn't say Barnabas, Barnabas became hypocritical. It just says no. he was carried away by it. So his the influence made Barnabas fall along the wrong way, and he started following instead of leading. So this is interesting, because Peter, the Apostle Peter, the wonderful, uh, wise Apostle Peter, messed up. And he was acting hypocritically. And, and, and Paul calls it out. He doesn't mince words, and he gets in his face, and he says, how can you do that? And, Rick, I believe he learned from it, and he grew from it. I, I, you know what? That's one thing about the Apostle Peter. I'm glad you brought that up, because the Apostle Peter is known for his many mistakes. But when you read Second uh, Peter, folks, just you want to find some inspiration about loving God, loving those around you, loving the brotherhood, you read Second Peter. And you see how the Apostle Peter, from the denial of Jesus, learned what selfless love really was. 
So when you say he learned and grew, absolutely. And that's the good news. Even the Apostle Peter was acting hypocritically to make this grand appearance before others. Folks, we can do the same thing. If he can fall, we can fall. We can be hypocritical so we can appear before others to be in a great position. We've got to watch out for that. So that's the outward hypocrisy of, of having that grand appearance. And remember, God makes us grand. So what about healing for our own, my own, inward hypocrisy? Well, when it comes to my desire to appear grandly before God, I must pray fervently to be as clay in his hands that he may fashion me as he sees fit. And Jonathan, you know, as I was reviewing the notes before we started the podcast tonight, this point jumped off the paper. It didn't literally jump off the paper, but you know what I mean. (laughs) I do. (laughs) If it would have jumped off the paper, I would have tried to catch it and put it back. Okay. But it jumped off the paper and said to me out loud, Rick, this is the main point. Don't forget this. Isaiah 64, verse 8. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. And all of us are the work of your hand. So here's the thing. The drawing power of things that we can get through being hypocritical draws us away from being shaped by God because we're essentially pulling ourselves as clay from his hands and saying, back off, God, I've got this. I know what shape I want to look like. I'm going to shape myself. And so we put on this appearance to present ourselves before God and say, see, God, how about me? And you know what? That's what the Pharisees did. So not a good place for us to go on any day of any week. So we've got a a quote here, okay, from Charles Studd about prayer. And and I think this is actually kind of cool. It says, prayer is good. But when used as a substitute for obedience, it is not but a blatant hypocrisy, a despicable Phariseeism. So when you think about that, um, you think about prayer. You say, okay, you know, prayer is always such a powerful, wonderful thing. But this quote is basically saying, no, you've got to be careful because it can be a substitute for obedience. And when we substitute prayer for obedience, we are acting in a hypocritical way according to the Christian principles that we're supposed to be living by. So we have to be really careful here. Let's go on to the sixth woe. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like the whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Okay, so this sixth woe is about the the, the sense of um, the whitewashed tomb. It's about the 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 forever reminder in the whitewash of something great, someone great. That's what that was that what that was all about. Go ahead, Jonathan. And Rick, I was thinking about the appearance of Jesus and the apostles and what they wore and how they looked. And I look at Christianity today and compare saying, is that the same or is there 
beautiful robes and and uh, um, tassels and gold accessories. Was that what we should project to others? Well, and again, it comes down to how do I make myself look versus how am I supposed to look because of God? You know, and that's what what was fa- happening to the to the Pharisees here. They were in this place of of just you know the outward appearance. So, what's the story to hypocrisy? Uh, the story to hypocrisy is the door of hypocrisy opened because of a desire to have enormous prestige. Okay, keep 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 on with that. Their presentation of themselves was holy and beautiful. Yet the reality was that their beliefs and actions were all about putting on a show, violating the meaning of the law and death. They pompously proclaimed to be the representatives of God, but actually represented the lawless destruction. So they, they, they proclaimed themselves. They made themselves look good on the outside, but on the inside it was, it was dead man's bones. Jonathan, we want to try something we haven't done before. We've actually got a voicemail message from Glory Beth in the Philippines. She's actually listening right now in the Philippines, and she had a comment. So Trish is going to get, see if we can get her on here. Trish, whenever you're ready. Okay, let's see if this works. Hi here. I... Let's give it a try. Hi here at Christian Questions. This is Glory Beth from Philippines, and I'm happy to be able to listen again. Um, it, it really requires the humility of heart to be able to um, not to be entangled by a kind of hypocritical attitude. And these days, like, um, everything seems to be like people are Christianizing everything. Like I heard from a friend saying Christian agnostic, Christian abuser, or Christian... Um, naturalist or something like that. So, or we could say, are you a born again Christian or, or are you safe or something like that? So, um, that's something we need to, you know, that's all we, I, we have nothing. It's, I think I learned that grace is unmerited favor. For by grace we have been saved. Thank you. All right. So thank you. Thank you, Glory Beth, for that. Again, from the Philippines, she's listening live, which is really kind of cool. And, you know, one of the things that's so important about that, Jonathan, and I think she was saying that, that we've, got to, we've got to keep the, the, the labels down because it's not about the label. It's, you know, it's, it's not about the designer Christian clothing. It's about the design of your Christian heart. Okay. We've got to, you know, we, we put on designer Christian clothing to make ourselves look good to others and to ourselves. But what's the design of your Christian heart? How is that focusing on godliness and not being hypocritical? We just have to be so careful about all of this. And, you know, the way, and we're going to obviously develop the sixth woe and our own external and internal um, hypocrisy and, and solutions for that in the coming segment. But, you know, here, the, 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 uh, the Pharisees were, this is a grand example, because it's whitewashed tombs that house death. And, you know, you can't get more dramatic. Jesus knew how to get their attention. I'll tell you what, you know, it's pretty amazing what he did here. Look, it's now very clear why Jesus was so firm when it came to hypocritical thinking. It's life and death. 
This seeking of prestige seems so obvious. Shouldn't it be easy to avoid the hypocrisy shown here? We're uncovering the truth scripture by scripture while gathering information from across today's media landscape with our vast CQ team of contributors. We want to hear from you, our listeners, for more contribution to our conversations. Talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com or message us through the Christian Questions app and our producers may read your comments over the air. Let's continue working through our topic with all our tools. We're reviewing the evidence. Now let's put it together. Because of our present imperfect state, the avoidance of hypocrisy in any area is never easy. Sometimes the remedy can be simple, but its accomplishment, again, is never easy. The fact is that we all want to be noticed and acknowledged, and that often leads to actions that tear others down. And, you know, Jonathan, humanity, we're just, look, we're just a bunch of broken folks. Let's just face, right. face the fact. We're a bunch of broken folks, and in our brokenness, sometimes hypocrisy, the things we can get through being hypocritical, can be pretty enticing. But the pathway of hypocrisy is a pathway of self-destruction to get to that which might be enticing. And you've got to ask yourself, is it worth it? So we're talking about the, the Pharisees in this last segment and their own desire to have enormous prestige, to, to be really recognized with depth and the profound characters that they had and the incredible accomplishments that they had. What about us? What about healing from my own outward hypocrisy when it comes to prestige? I must be sure never to step on or damage anyone in my blind pursuit. Instead, leave it to God. So if we want to get somewhere, if we want to become somebody, if we want to become something, if we want the prestige from attaining this, that, or the other thing, wonderful. You know, and the idea of pursuing is good. But leave the destination. Leave the pathway to godliness and the destination to God's overruling. Because otherwise, Jonathan, it ends up being a waste of of our time, and probably damaging others along the way. So let's go to Luke chapter 18, uh, verses 9 through 14 on this. And he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay the tithes of all that I get. Okay, and so Jesus is telling a story, and I love, you know, one of my favorite parts of this, this parable, Jonathan, is the way he describes it. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, he wasn't praying to God. Because God would not listen to such a prayer. This is not a godly prayer. God, I thank you that I'm not like those lowly people out there. I thank you that I am far above them. And, you know, God, you and I know, because we're on the same same page here, that they're kind of dirty and messy and we're better. You know, he had the prestige of being acceptable. But do we, do we, look in the mirror now, do I... Seek the prestige of being acceptable 
even in, 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 when it comes to others and put others down so I can be lifted up because that's what this particular Pharisee was doing. That was the healing for his, for our outward uh, hypocrisy is not to put others down, but actually, you know, the best way to have prestige before God, instead of pushing others down with your hand, lift them up. In honor, preferring one another. Right. Lift them up. Give them a step. Help them. Listen to them. Fellowship with them. If you have opportunity, guide and direct them. Uh, Share your difficulties with them. There are so many ways to get honor and prestige before God that look an awful lot like work. But to avoid the hypocrisy of self-proclaimed prestige... We have to be that active individual. So now, what about the inward hypocrisy when it comes to this? When it comes to my desire for my own personal prestige before God, I must be honest about who I am and leave all the assignments of glory to God. God will assign glory when, how he wants to. And, you know, I've come to a really profound conclusion, Jonathan. What's that, Rick? That's fine with me. <laughs> you know, I'm good with that. Me too. <laughs> you know, whatever it is that he decides, I just want to be good with. I want to be great with because it's God's providence. You know, when we talk about God's providence, we don't, you know, we almost don't, don't make it as powerful because we talk about it a lot as it needs to be. When God's providence means God is overruling and providing for your best benefit. That's incredible. So when we look at our own potential for inward hypocrisy, when it comes to personal prestige before God, you know, being able to look at God and say, hey, you know, look at me. What do we do? Well, let's look at in the story that Jesus was telling what the tax collector did. Now we're in Luke chapter 18, now verses 13 and 14. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Leave all the assignments of glory to God. This is such a wonderful story. Because this tax collector, who was looked down upon by, the, by society, uh, he stands far away, and he's not even willing to look up to heaven, because he's feeling the shame of his position, he's feeling the humility of being an outcast, and in, in the story, Jesus says, beating his breast, he says, just God, just, you know, his prayer isn't eloquent. It's not long, it's not profound, it doesn't have flow to the words, it doesn't, it doesn't strike your heart and, and inspire tears. But Jonathan, what's his prayer? His prayer is humility uh, before God. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Amen. That's it. That's it. So with our own inward hypocrisy that tends toward wanting prestige before God, maybe we need to go back to the basics that Jesus is outlining here. God, be merciful to me, the sinner, through Jesus, 
Amen. And really mean it. And let God apply the prestige where he will. And let him take it from where he will. Because his way is better anyway. So, Jonathan, our last soundbite for today. A little bit longer. This is from a a TED Talk um, from Nat Ware. And it's how to deal with hypocritical activists, politicians, and charities. Now, it's a minute long, okay? And he's making an example that I think is important to just get a sense of when we look outside of ourselves and we want to say that person's a hypocrite. Just just listen through this. This this actually is some profound thinking. The second mistake that we make is that we compare to the extremes of selflessness and selfishness. Say you walk into a cafe and there's a sign on the wall that says, we donate 20% of our profits to charity. You probably think, what a great cafe, what good people donating a bit of their profits to charity. And so when we have mostly profit-making, mostly selfishness, but a bit of altruism, we like it, we think of it as a good thing. But then if someone works for a charity, if someone dedicates their entire career to a good cause, if someone is mostly selfless, but then takes home a reasonably decent salary, we say, ha, hypocrite. So we're fine with mostly selfish with a touch of altruism, but not mostly altruistic with a touch of selfish. You can be 10% altruistic, but you can't be 90%, which doesn't make any sense. We prefer honest greed to imperfect generosity. Isn't that interesting? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and, and, and again, it's a way to stop looking outside of ourselves you know, and start looking internally and saying, hey, am I like that? You know, we, we want to make sure that we get it, get it right. And we give credit to others for whatever the goodness is that they're attempting to do. And, you know, it's really easy, like he says, to go into a place, wow, they give 20% of their profits to charity. This is a great store. But when somebody does nothing but charity and gets paid, it's like, well, what do you, so what are you getting paid for? Because uh, this is all I do. <laughs> you know, and I, this is my job, you know, so it is interesting. It's very, very, very interesting to see, to see that. And it makes you think about making these judgments of who is a hypocrite and who is not. So all of that being said, we're down to our final, our seventh woe that and Jesus with this seventh woe is going to introduce yet two more descriptions on top of hypocrites and brood of vipers and blind guides and so forth. So the seventh woe is Matthew 23, verses uh, 29 through 33. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we had been living in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partners with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of the guilt of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how will you escape the sentence of Gehenna? So, Jonathan, that 33rd 33rd verse is pretty dramatic. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how will you escape the sentence of Gehenna, a final judgment? When you you read that, Jonathan, what, what, what goes through your mind? Well, the first thing, you serpents, reminds me of Satan, which was a sly serpent, yep. um, and and how crafty um, they were. Uh, the brood of vipers, the the number, the just overwhelming. But but bottom line is that their attitude must change. 
they've got a lot of work to do to be acceptable for life in the kingdom. You know, and, and that's the thing. Hypocrisy now may equal success in things, may equal a better recognition to you about this, that, and the other thing. But in the long run, equals a much longer pathway to get to righteousness, a much harder pathway. And Jesus is using hard language against the Pharisees here to wake them up, his last attempt to wake them up so they would see the value of being sincere and not hypocritical. So what about the door to hypocrisy here? The door to hypocrisy opened because of a desire for worthiness. Okay, so it comes because of a desire for worthiness. Now, their utter hypocrisy culminates here. This is the final woe. Not only did they corrupt their own and future generations, but they claimed a personal purity of principle relating to the rejecting of God's prophets in past generations. They were darkly and maliciously usurping authority, just like you mentioned this already, just as Satan did, that old serpent. And Jesus is making that allusion to them. But here's the thing. They're they're basically saying, you know, if we had lived in the times of our fathers, we wouldn't have persecuted the prophets of God because we would have recognized them. And so, of course, Jesus is standing there before them saying, I am the truth and the life. I am the kingdom. You hypocrites, if you ever saw a prophet, a great man of God, you are looking at him. How dare you? You know, and and Jesus had every right to talk to them with that, that depth of strength. How dare you? So this door to hypocrisy was because of their desire for worthiness. That's what they wanted. So healing of my own outward hypocrisy. Go ahead, Jonathan. What about that? When it comes to my desire for worthiness, before all, I must stop the mental gymnastics that elevate me. Okay. They wanted worthiness, and they were saying, if I were there, I'd be better. If I were here, I'd be better. If I was at that place, oh, yeah, it would be me. And we can do the same thing. So in our healing of our own outward hypocrisy, stop the mental gymnastics. What's the, what's the point here? Well, God elevates the humble in his time and in his way. Okay. God does the elevating of the humble. When he thinks he's good and ready, and until he's ready, we ought to say, I'll wait. And if it never comes, so be it. Thank God. You know, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 5. We want to finish with these verses, and then we're going to touch on the inward hypocrisy, the healing for that as well. But for the outward hypocrisy, it's Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2. Do not judge so that you will not be judged, for in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. So for our own outward hypocrisy, when it comes to this worthiness idea, don't be judging others, because you will be judged with the kind of judgment that you're casting. And most of us, Jonathan, are not good at judging others. You're right. So if we want to be judged, you know, in the same way that we're judging, go right ahead. See what happens. It will catch up to you. So now let's turn to the inward hypocrisy. How do we heal that? Well, when it comes to my desire for worthiness in my own private life before God, 
I must focus on the honesty that comes from true self-examination. Honesty. Honesty. It's a simple thing. I must focus on the honesty that comes from true self-examination. And let's go to Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 to 5. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Okay, I must focus on the honesty that comes from true self-examination. And when it's at the times when we want to cast the judgment on someone else so we look worthy, that's the time that hypocrisy can work its way into our lives. And that's the time that we have to say, stop. Let me take the tree branch out of my own eye instead of worrying about that little tiny speck of dust in my brother's eye. You know, that speck of dust really aggravates me in his eye as you knock him over with the tree branch hanging out of your own. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> we, we, folks, we have to be careful about how to deal with these things because if Jesus spent all this time talking about hypocrisy and talking about how all of this was going to work, we need to realize that this applies to us. Are we looking for power? Are we looking for personal influence on others? Do we have ambition? Are we looking for acceptability? Are we looking for grand appearance and prestige and worthiness? These were the seven woes given to the Pharisees. They are seven woes that are also given to us. Outwardly, what am I doing to keep from falling into the hypocrisy of seeking those things? And inwardly, how am I acting and responding to godliness to change the way I live? Hypocrisy is everywhere. Folks, just let's not let it be part of our own hearts and our own minds. You have a choice. What makes a Christian a hypocrite? We just learned seven things. What are you going to do about it? Think about it. Folks, listen, we do want to hear from you. Give us your feedback or send us your questions on this episode and other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Also, a big part of spreading the word about our program is subscribing to Christian Questions in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast channel is. Please rate us, review us. We'd greatly appreciate it. Coming up next week, coming up next week, we'll talk about, is this the moment you were created for? And that will be the story of Esther. Talk to you next week.